Today I am in Snamyanka in Kirovograd Oblast. Snamyanka is a very important point as it has a train station and the railway is coming from Donetsk Oblast. So in the recent months, there has been many evacuees coming from Donetsk and from the very volatile areas in Donetsk Oblast. So you say volatile, of course, we've had a year of war now. What are you seeing when you get closer to the contact line, that very long contact line, a thousand kilometers or so in the east? Well, of course, first and foremost, we see heavy fighting on both sides. Once we go there with the interagency convoy with humanitarian assistance, it's filled with military personnel, military equipment. And of course, we see damaged like 80 90 or even more damaged towns some actually you could say doesn't even exist anymore so you're saying whole cities whole towns that's what the uh, un's emergency relief uh, uh, chief martin griffiths told the security council back at the start of february so what are the actual needs now what has a year of war resulted in for ukrainians day to day what's their day-to-day existence like well at the moment we are talking about nearly 18 million people, that's almost 40% of the Ukraine population in need of humanitarian assistance. This both includes in the western part of Ukraine, of course, to a lesser extent, the center and north, but mainly in the southern parts and and eastern parts of Ukraine, where we also have the front line at the moment. Of course, during the winter, it's been, luckily, it's been a somewhat mild winter compared to Ukrainian standards. But of course, there's been a lot of support in terms of making sure people actually stay warm. They had basic humanitarian assistance, such as food, hygiene items, winter clothes, solar lamps, as people are really staying down in the, the bunkers on an everyday basis, especially in these areas where there's constant shelling on a daily basis. So it's still a very live war, you're saying, and it's still not getting better. No, I think actually in the frontline locations like uh, Soledar, Bakhmut, where, again, we are seeing a lot of the IDPs here in, in Snamyanka coming from, these places are actually getting worse and with increased fighting on a day-to-day basis. So people simply have to stay down in the basements, in the shelters, where, of course, it's cold, it's damp, there's no electricity. In these frontline locations, there is simply no electricity. We, as IOM, are, of course, trying to support as much as possible. This also includes establishing heating points with generators so people can have a bit of warmth uh, during the winter time. Um, of course, these people are extremely resilient. I see it when I'm on missions. I met a, an old pensioner from Soledad who said she had experienced the Second World War. She never, she would see war again. And that was, of course, very heartbreaking. This is one of the people that is out of these frontline locations, but there are still many, many thousands of people living in these areas as they simply have no other ways to leave or or go somewhere else. And in the Ukrainian culture, the house and the location where people live is is extremely important. Well, we think we can understand that people's homes are where their memories are, and a lot of people can't leave, as you say. But what about those beyond the contact line in Russian-held territory? Have you been able to get over there? Because there are huge concerns that there are still many thousands of people who need, desperately need, humanitarian aid. Yes, of course. On the other side, it has also incredible humanitarian needs. At the moment, the UN has not been able to access these areas. So this is, of course, something that I'm sure the people in New York and Geneva and so on are working hard on, see if we can gain access to these locations as well. So let's focus on the work that you are managing to do. You say that you're providing generators, you're bringing humanitarian relief 
How many millions of people are you actually helping within Ukraine at the moment, Johannes? We are aware, of course, that nearly 8 million has fled to neighboring countries. We have 5.3 million IDPs, internally displaced persons, within Ukraine. We, as IOM, of course, are supporting more affected communities and the people staying behind, but we are also supporting especially IDPs in regions further away from the front line. So this is, for example, here in the eastern region, this could be in regions like Poltava and Dnipro, Kirovograd, where I am at now. So we are, for example, supporting so far 102 collective centers with various types of support, improving living conditions inside the collective centers, light, medium repairs, hygiene items, support to site managers with cash. And also we have, of course, supported with many what we call emergency shelter kits for people staying in, in damaged uh, apartments or houses. We have also been distributing cash to over 70,000 people that are very close to the frontline locations. One other special big concern is support to mental health. This is especially first and foremost to people in the frontline locations, but also people who are on the move one year after the war broke out. This is really, you know, in how people's mindsets are. They try to adapt, but after some time, of course, they need support in talking about their emotions and feelings. And, and this not only includes IDPs, people in these frontline locations, but also veterans and their families coming back from the war. Final question to you, Johannes, from the UN Migration Agency. I know that you're working as hard as you can and you're reaching as many people as you can, but have you got the resources that you need and are you reaching as many as you want? Well, look, I think uh, especially... Since, you know, two, three months ago, when the Russians started attacking and destroying critical infrastructure, that was, of course, massive scale up that we had to do in terms of support with generators, with water pumps to water systems and these kind of things. I think the attacks are ongoing on these things. We've seen recent attacks now over the weekend, new attacks in Kharkiv city. We had a very heartbreaking attack in Dnipro a few weeks ago with the risk of a new offensive, of course. We would need more assistance, more support from countries and donors.